Sunday, August the 13th, for the people on the tape, uh, Colossians lesson number 12, uh, starting in chapter 4. So I'm going to review just a little bit like I always do, because I'm hopefully you guys are grabbing some, I gotta grab the things in this book, because I think a lot of times it's just, you know, it's the same old, same old, right? We go to church, we hear a good message, we go home, and then, you know, till next week. No, we, we need to, to put God's Word in our heart, in our mind, in our work, in our plate. I mean, we need to live it out in our life. And again, I'm talking to the choir. So, uh, but chapter uh, 3, we just finished. Number, well, let me back up for a minute. So I want to review chapters 1 and 2 of the book of Colossians are doctrinal. And chapters 3 and 4 are what? What goes in your blank? Practical. Practical. Okay, so it's a very simple book. This is what God wants you to know. This is how God wants you to live it out. Okay? And again, all these people that say, well, the Bible is not relevant. Did I say that right this time? Uh, to, to us today, number one, that's a cop-out because they need to read it. Because if they read it, they would see. It's, it's very good instructions for us. If you had the book of Colossians and you're saved... You can live a pretty good life because in, I'm, I am convinced that the book of Colossians is for the church that we live in today. It's for the Laodicean church period. Exactly what we need to have. Okay? So in Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 9 that we've studied out, we are informed to annihilate. Annihilate goes in your blank. Or you could put kill, mortify, whatever you want to call it. Uh, five sexual sins in our life. And I talked about that last couple of weeks, right? And, and we don't realize that those sexual sins is what our, our whole society is involved in. And they're just taking us down the tubes. And they all lead back to Rome. They all lead back to Babylon. They all lead back to worshiping Satan. Okay? And so, uh, we are told to annihilate. So that means God wants you to get them out of, get them out of your system. You know, uh, and not only that, it's going to make your life so much better. Of course, we're older than, you know, trying to tell that to somebody that's 20 may be kind of hard because, you know, they want to sow their wild oats, right? But you know what? It causes a lot of pain and a lot of suffering if you get involved in these. And it's going to affect your life. It's going to affect your spouse. It's going to affect your family. It's going to affect affect everything and not for the good. Okay. So we are told to just get them out of your life, annihilate them. And then we're told to put off seven things that are unpleasing to God, including the old you. You goes in your blank. The old you before Christ. And, and again, and like I've probably mentioned before, I got saved when I was ten, so I can't really remember, you know, how I must, how bad a guy I was at ten. I was probably like Elias's age. I got saved, so he's he doesn't have to live a sinful unmoral, worldly life now because he has Christ in his life. But even then, I know you can, you're can. you still living in the world. And even then, there's been a lot of my life that, that I wish I could go back and fix because I wasn't doing what was right. I wasn't living for the Lord and I was living for me and I was living for the old me. So you need to, you need to get rid of the old you before Christ and put on the new Christ. So in verses 10 through 25 of chapter 3, we are instructed to put on the new you. 
after salvation. So the Bible says old man, new man. Now I know some of you, uh, the ladies in here, that probably doesn't sound real technical. Just put you in the blank. And that's men, same way. That makes it a little more personal, personal, I think, when we say you. Or me. Okay? I'm not just saying you guys, because I've not arrived either. I'm in the same boat you guys are. Take off the old me before Christ and put on the new me after Christ. And that's what I need to live in. Okay? And so we are to put on eight things or eight characteristics that Christ has and wants us to have and begin to express our life. So if we read the New Testament books, we are told to put on the new man, put on the armor of God, we see in Ephesians 6, and basically put Christ on. The characteristics that Christ had, we need to put in our life. Because why? We need to be like Christ because we are in Him. He wants us to be what He is. Okay? As much as possible. So we're also given additional personal instruction uh, last week, family instruction, as well as employment instructions. So Colossians and Ephesians are good, practical, must-do books in our Bible for a New Testament believer. And also, if you're working with somebody, maybe you're discipling somebody that's brand new in Christ, these are Ephesians and Colossians are fantastic books to read. When someone gets saved, I'll probably tell them right off the bat, a good, and if, especially if they ask me, a, what, a, what is a good book to start in the Bible? And I would say John, because the book of John tells them who Jesus is. But outside of that, I probably wouldn't go back and say start with Genesis. No. I'd probably say read Pauline, Paul's uh, church epistles, because that is expressly for us. Mm-hmm. We can take it to the bank and use it, okay? The Old Testament's written for us, but not to us. But the New Testament books that we see here are written, are written to us. I mean, we can, we can follow those lock, stock, and barrel. So, that would also be good to teach the new person. I went in and taught life issues before, and I've used Ephesians and Colossians, because they're just basic. Here's some things you can do right now in your life. And, and, and it lays it out. And the same thing for us. We're not any better than anybody else. And I mentioned life issues because those guys come in and they have problems in their life. But guess what? We all do. Mm-hmm. Okay, we all do. So let's go ahead and we're going to read uh, Colossians chapter 4 and we're going to go 1 through 6. And we're going to back up and see what we have. Masters, chapter 4 and verse 1, Masters, given to your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Continue in prayer. And watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying for us, that God would open to us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. So again, a little more instruction to kind of tag on along with Colossians chapter 3 that we just went through. But it starts off in verse 1 with masters. Well, you know, nobody in here really has a master, right? We don't use that term. The closest we have to it today would be bosses. Okay, if you're a boss, if you're an employee, uh, employer, you need to be just and equal. 
to your people. How many of you have had bosses that were not just and equal to you? We've all been there, right? And so we want to make sure when we when the when the role gets reversed that we don't do that to the people under us. Okay. And the problem is it's a two-sided problem that I see in the workplace. Number one, bosses are not just and equal to their employees, but employees can also not be just and equal back. And so you have some employees that have the attitude that uh I work I work here and you need to give me all this stuff. <laughs> You're, we can't have that attitude. That's not the right. We work there to make our employer money. But at the same time, the employer needs to take care of us for making the money. So it's a two-way street. Uh, but it says here, Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal. Why? Well, number one, that's the right thing to do. Knowing that ye have a master in heaven who's searching us, who's watching us also. And he's going to give us what's our just reward when we get to the judgment seat of Christ. And so we need to realize that. So let me throw a few. Uh, let's go back to chapter 3.25. Just write the verse for uh, chapter 4, verse 1. It says, But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Talking about the judgment seat of Christ. Christ will be no respecter of persons. He doesn't care if you are the biggest evangelist in the world or the guy that just got saved. He's going to judge you according to what you do. That reminds me of the rich man and Lazarus. Yeah. How he got him and then he got his just reward. Yes. And, and, and he's so arrogant that even when he prays or when he he's either talking to Father Abram, he says, go get somebody to give me a, just a drop of water. And who does he say? Tell him to... Lazarus. He's got the gall to say, hey, get Lazarus to do this for me. And it's kind of like, you don't understand. He used to be your servant or used to be a poor man at your, at your door, but he's not the poor man now. And actually, the, the roles have reversed. But it's interesting that people, you know, they get... They think that they're all that in a bag of chips, according to our pastor. And I remember Carrie and I, Carrie was at a bookstore once and this real famous preacher comes in and he did not, he did not, how do I say this, represent Christ very well. There were seven or eight people in line and he thought he should go to the front because he was a somebody. And what did the, what did the lady at the register say? Did she bring him to the front? Oh, she did. At first, I think she didn't, but she did. She tried to appease him. I think. Okay. She tried to work through it. She tried to work through the situation, but but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he didn't want to wait in line. He's a somebody. And I'm like, you don't think anybody saw that? There's no respect to person. There's no we, yeah, and so uh, so three twenty five says, you know, when we do what's wrong, we're gonna we're gonna get it. Okay. Uh, hold your finger here because it won't be bounced around just a little bit today. Let's go over and look at our notes, Second Corinthians, chapter five. I mean, the right. Uh, there's no check. Second Corinthians five. Yeah. Is there? Yeah. Okay, but is there a thirty? Oh, three to three to ten. I can't read my own writing today, <laughs> and it's typed out. Okay, Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians, chapter five, verses three says, "So if ye be that ye be clothed, we shall be found naked. 
For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, and mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the self same thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of His Spirit. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to present and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So again, another uh, reference to the judgment seat of Christ. God's going to reward us for our faithfulness. So as masters, we should be faithful to our uh, employees. Another note from, from the HBF... Sound booth. Okay. Yeah, I think that's what guy went to get this in it. Okay. Uh, I almost said, I see Diane's working. So, okay. Uh, so turn over to First Timothy. I'm sorry, First Thessalonians. Chapter 4 and verse 6. First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 6 says, That no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter. Why? Because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we have, as we also have forewarned you and testified. So I got a note in my Bible. It says, "Don't get even with those that harm you. Let God do it. He can do a better job." You know, I just pray God sick them. Usually, when somebody tries to get even with somebody, they're the one that gets in trouble too. You know. You know. You know. You don't get even anyway. A week or two ago, I was going through westerns on one of my channels. I was watching, and I'm like, "Watch, okay, trying to find a western, a modern western that's not rated R, and it's tough." <laughs> and so the next thing is, I'm, every one of them's like, "Well, this this happened to this person, so he's getting revenge." Next movie, this happened to this guy, so he's getting revenge. Yeah. That's like the theme for all the western movies. Right. Yeah. The guy's getting revenge for what they did for him. Of course, a lot of the movies are like that, and I'm like, you know what? Let it go. Mm-hmm. Let God get him. Sit God on him, and he'll get way more yeah. revenge than we will. But masters need to be just. Okay, so that's what it says back in Colossians. So let's keep moving. And then it says to continue in prayer. Again, just practical uh, advice, information. Continue in prayer with, and watch in the same with thanksgiving. So number two, continue to pray and continue to be being watchful. Now. Carrie and I have talked about this 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 summer. What exactly does that? What are we watching out for? What are we What are we supposed to be? Um, you know, like I said, watching for. But that being watchful it means to be awake, to be vigilant, to keep guard. So we do need to watch what's going on around us. We need to watch what's going on in society. We need to know what time we're living at in God's timetable. And we need to, we need to know that. So it says that we need to be watchful. So turn over to Ephesians chapter 6 and in verse 18. Ephesians 6.18. Have, and I'll have one of you guys read that for me. 
praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Okay, so again, you see that word praying, but also being watch watchful or watching while we're praying. Well, number one, we need to watch in our prayers to see how God answers that prayer. A lot of times, I think, now I'm just telling on me, I pray things and it just goes in one ear and out the other ear. And I kind of got the attitude like, well, I, I prayed to God, so, you know, it's His, it's His, it's His baby, you know, and I'm like, wrong attitude. And the more I, and then I, and then I'm like, well, you know, am I really sincere about this prayer? I need to keep it in front of the Lord because He needs to know I'm sincere about it. But at the same time, I need to be watching how He's going to answer that prayer. I need to, I need to be careful about, you know, just not letting it go. Okay, here's the prayer I'm asking for, Lord. And this is in your will. I want to see how you're going to answer this. And when we do that, it keeps us folk, it keeps that relationship going and it keeps us realize, hey, God is listening to our prayer and He will answer it one way or another. But how's He going to do that? So we need to continue to pray, being watchful, but also being thankful. So back in Colossians 4, it says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. So, how many of you have had people um, call you up and want something? Okay. Over and over. Right? And and have, have you ever had that person call you up and ask for things over and over and they're never thankful? They're just like, you need to do this for me. Kind of just reminds me of my kids. <laughs> hey, Dad, I need some help. I haven't talked to you for four months. Uh, where you been? And now you need something. I, I don't say that, but I want to. Yeah. Um, but the person that is thankful, I'm going to be much more uh, careful in how I respond. And just a soft answer and being nice to people is huge. And this is in my notes, but once I was, uh, I was in, uh, North Carolina at an airport. And I was getting ready to catch another flight. And I, this flight came in. And I think I was waiting on the flight to, uh, to get off so we could get boarded on that plane. And I'm watching these people come off and they are really late. I mean, they are way late. Like, they're like 30 minutes late. And I see a wave come off. They get up to the, they come in the door and the, and the receptionist or whatever there is like, okay, for you guys, it's going on to such and such on your flight. You're going to have to make a beeline down to the gate and you will not have any time to wait. You need to get there now and, you know, go down this hall, make a right, walk all the way to the end, whatever. Well, this one lady comes in a little bit later and she comes up and the lady tells her that and she is just ticked. She has got her arms going, you know, and she is just all over this lady. And she goes, well, you need to, you're going to have to almost run, ma'am. You're going to have to go down here. You have to do this. Well, why? Blah, blah, blah. And I mean, she just kept going and finally goes, lady, you're going to have to, ma'am, you're going to have to move. So the lady finally moves. She gets out and just about a couple minutes later, another lady comes up, same person off the same plane. And she goes, I've got to get to this flight. Can can you help me where I need to go? And the lady goes, ma'am, yes, it's very quick. You're going to have to go down this hallway, make a right, do whatever. And the lady's like, well, I want to thank you for for helping me. And the lady goes, no, wait a minute. I want you to go there right away, but I will call them. 
and have them hold the door till you get there. And I'm sitting there watching this, and she didn't tell the lady before that. No. It was the way she acted, and I'm like, so that's how I want to be treated. How do you think the Lord wants to be treated when you pray to Him? It's the same way. And when we're thankful, He is more than obligated. But but when we're not, He may just back off a little bit and go, I'm going to answer the prayer, but you know, might not be today or tomorrow or when you're wanting it. I'm going to make you uh, sweat it out for a little bit. I don't know how God does that, but I would... I mean, if I was God, that's probably what I would do. I'm like, well, I'll just put you to the bottom of the list, but I'll get to you eventually. But no, the Bible says that we need to... You know, we need to be thankful. Um, so let's go over to First Thessalonians five seventeen. First Thessalonians five seventeen says to it's a D one verse. What does it say? Pray without ceasing. That's the one that you remembered when you went through D one because that was the shortest one, right? Well, sixteen is shorter. Rejoice more. Okay, but that would in the I wasn't on our our prayer. Uh, re, re, uh, memorization list. Oh, okay. So, pray without ceasing. Verse 18. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And which is hard to do at times. It's hard to give God thanks in everything. But you know what? We know that the Bible says that God will turn everything into good to those that love Him. So, hey, I am, I am a, I am a son of the king. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or you are a daughter of the king. Okay? Yeah. We have royal blood in us. God's going to take, Christ is going to take care of us. And so we need to have that attitude, but you also, we need to be thankful. Uh, Philippians 4, 6. I'm, I haven't had anybody read that, have I? Okay, somebody read that for me, please. Philippians 4, 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Again, having a thankful heart. Okay? So when we're thankful, it also humbles us. You know, and, and, and I have a pretty good instructor. My wife tells me, at times, we may be going through a drive-through, and they take my order, and she goes, "You didn't tell that person thanks." <laughs> okay, so I try. I mean, it, it helps. It helps. It just, you know, you might make somebody's day by just being courteous and, and thankful to them. The other day, I was supposed to meet somebody. Uh, I'm helping Carrie's mom and dad reside their house and get it all planned out because they're getting older, and, and so I'm meeting with people. And this, I was supposed to meet somebody at. 3.30 Friday. They didn't show up, so I called up the office and I go, hey, I have down, I was supposed to meet this guy. At, and the lady's like, yes, I have that on the appointment book that he was supposed to meet you there at 3 o'clock, but he's not there. I go, no. And I wasn't real happy to the lady. <laughs> I kind of felt bad. I didn't, I wasn't nasty to her. I just said, you know, this is like the third time this week that I've had nobody show up and I'm, I'm a little not, I'm a little ticked. And uh, she could probably sense it, and then and then I got to thinking later. You know, I'm thinking it's probably the guy messed up, and then I got to thinking maybe she forgot to put it on the guy's calendar, and it's her fault. So who knows? But again, it didn't help the situation out if I wasn't super nice. I should say, okay, fine, we're 
reschedule. But I was, it's been a little difficult. And, uh, but anyway, I'll have to work through that a little bit. But, so I have my struggles. I'm not always the nice guy that you guys think I am all the time. I know you guys put me way up on a cloud, but I'm not there. Okay. Everybody's going, are you kidding? Uh, what's that? I don't float. Okay. That's right. That's right. And if I float, if I float around, why do my feet hurt all the time? Okay. So we need to be watchful. We need to be praying. Uh, we need to be thankful. We need to be praying for others. And then the last blank you hear is pray for your instructors. Because that's what Paul says. Paul is their instructor, right? He says, uh, verse 3, with all praying also for us that God would open to us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. Now, what does that mean when it says that he's in bonds? He's struggling. More than that. He's in jail. So this is a jail book. Colossians, Philippians, these are jail books. He's in jail. And he says, let me tell you what I can pray for. What you can pray for me for. Now, you want me to tell you what I would pray for if I would have been Paul? Could you... uh, This is what I want to pray for. Guys, could you slip a file in the next cake you bring in? Maybe blow out the back door of the prison? Um... Do something to get me out of here. You know, it's maybe snug, uh, uh, snuggle's not the right word. Smuggle in a, a weapon so I can get out of here. I'm in jail and I'm here for preaching the gospel. Help me out. Get me out of this place. It's bad in here. I don't have a good bed. I don't get fed three times a day. It's hot. I don't have air. I mean, we would be going on and on. Get me out of this place. And what's he pray for? An open door to speak. That's amazing. It's kind of like when he when he he's at uh, he's in jail at Philippi and they put him in the inner dungeon and there's an earthquake and all the all the walls fall down and yet he tells the guy, hey, don't don't uh, kill yourself because all the prisoners are here. Now that was a miracle because you guess I mean Joe if if the if the Cass County Jail. All the walls fell outward, and uh, would all the prisoners stay where they're at? No, they would be heading for the hills. And I'm like, there was another place where God just intervened and had them safe. But he's in jail, and he says, "This is what you can pray for me. Pray that I have an open door. Pray that uh, I would be able to speak the mystery of Christ." So Paul asked for open doors. That's what goes in your blank. Now, an open door, a door in the Bible is basically a definition or an opportunity. I have it in your notes. A door is an opportunity to preach the gospel. That's what he's referring to here. And he's talking about the mystery of Christ. Now, what, what does he mean when he says, pray that I, that I can preach or I have an open door to preach the mystery of Christ. So what is the mystery of Christ? It's the gospel. It's the gospel. But you would think that would be pretty simple. It's foolishness to those That's true. Um, let me get back to my notes here. So, 
It's a mystery, right? It's one of the mysteries of the Bible that we talked about a few weeks ago. Is it the mystery of godliness, which is God in human form? Is that what he was preaching? Well, in a way, but not technically. Was it the mystery of the indwelling of the Spirit of God? Yes. It's what we saw in 1 Corinthians 26 and 27, which is Christ in you. It's how you got saved. It's how, it's how I got saved. Okay, the mystery of Christ that he's talking about here is the gospel. Now, there are some educated theological scholars that are not too bright that say, well, he's really talking about the mystery of godliness here that that uh, God came down in human form. Is that why he was thrown in jail? No. It might have been a part of it, but it wasn't the key. The key part, why was Paul in jail? Because he preached the gospel that we know of. Okay? And so Paul asked for open doors or opportunities to speak the gospel. Okay? And we saw this back in Colossians chapter 1, 27 and 28, which says, let's go back and look at it, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. It's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so let's go back and read that again. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect or complete in Christ Jesus. That was Colossians chapter 1, 27 and 28. Again, kind of the focus. The focus is that he is trying to preach the gospel and to present the gospel as well as the rest of the New Testament so that he could present people complete in Christ. Where? At the judgment seat of Christ. Okay? And so, he's, this is what Paul asked for. Open doors to preach the gospel. That's pretty simple, but you would, I've been reading a lot of commentators and things and they mess that up. I don't see how you can mess that up. But they do. Okay? And so, there's a couple places there that talks about other doors. In fact, let's go look at them because we don't have a lot today to go through. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 1. First Corinthians chapter 1. Let's hope that's chapter 1. You know what? This, I'm going to have to find that. I don't think I have the right verse for that. I don't have the chapter there, do I? And the same thing with Second Corinthians. No, I do have that one. Let's go to Second Corinthians then. So, First Corinthians 1.9 is for you extra credit students who want to go back and figure out what I was talking about. But Second <laughs> Corinthians two nine. Second Corinthians two nine says, For this end also did I write that I might know the proof of you whether you be obedient in all things. Again, not quite what I wanted. Okay. So I'm gonna have to look that up myself. So ignore those two. So a door is an opportunity to preach the gospel. In fact, let me see, let me read that again. Nope, still haven't got the right one. 
that, and then at the end there it says that God would give him the exact words to say. So he also prays for that back in Colossians 4. Now that's me. Man, I need to know the words that I need to say. To the lost people and actually to the saved people. When God puts somebody in your life that's lost, you want to get, give them a word from God, right? Mm-hmm. And so you want to, uh, if the opportunity happens, if the door opens up where you can give them the gospel, by all means, do it. But not only that, I want God to give me the right words that that person needs to hear that he'll understand and grab. Because different people may need different illustrations or different thoughts. So, he also prays for that he might make it uh, manifest what he ought to speak and that God would give him the exact words that he needs to say. Okay? So, uh, let me give you a cross-reference for that. Ephesians chapter 6, 18 through 20. Okay. So, in fact, let's go there and see if I got my act together with that one. Ephesians chapter 6, 18 through 20 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplications in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We've already read that. And for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the what? The mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. The things that Paul was praying for is the same things that we need to be praying for. Okay? That's why he puts that on the list. So, he's praying that God would give him the exact words. Number four, he says, back in uh, Colossians, it says that to walk in wisdom, to walk uh, in Christ's wisdom to them that are without. So, uh, verse 5, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. So, who would those people be? Them that are without. Unsaved people. Redeeming the time. Okay? So, we are to walk in wisdom, to walk in Christ's wisdom, not the world's wisdom, and not our wisdom, but in Christ's wisdom, to them that are without, specifically. Because what's our job? To get the gospel out. Okay? And so, uh, Galatians 6.10. I'm going to have somebody read that one for me. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. Okay, so not just the lost, but to the the saved people. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we are to walk in wisdom. We are to be an example to them uh, of Christ, to the lost and... Uh, the saved. And number five, it says to redeem the time. Now, Ephesians 5.16 is, is uh, again, we're staying a lot in Ephesians because Ephesians kind of goes right along with uh, Colossians. So, Ephesians 5.16 says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Does that fit our situation today? Yeah. We need to redeem the time. Now, I don't, again, I'm talking to the choir in here because we all know how Quick time flies, don't we? So I'll give you an example just this week. I think one, one night this week, I think all I do is watch TV. You guys know that, right? But I had never watched the last Matrix movie. And I don't know how many years ago did that come out? Two, three, four, no Matrix fans in here? So I watched it. Carrie and I watched it. 
And I was so, it's the same old stuff, just a repeat, you know, so they could make more money. But what amazed me out of that whole movie was how much older the two stars looked in it. Neo and, and, uh, Trinity. And Neo, what's, what's his name? Kanuri, what's Keanu. that? Keanu. See, I'll butcher it up. Uh, Keanu Reeves. And what, what's Trinity's name? Nobody knows her, do they? Because she's not real famous. But I, I mean, I remember the movies when they came out. And I didn't, I mean, I wasn't a big fan of them then either, but I, I watched them. And then I watched this one and I'm like, oh my gosh, they got old. Because they look old. And I'm like, and I'm like, well, I, I, I know, what's the guy's name again? Keanu. Keanu. Keanu's played like John Wick movies, and I haven't even watched those, but he's, you know, he's got the longer hair, the big sideburns, and that. And you can't tell that he's aged that much, but they, they had him in this last Matrix movie with his head shaven and beard all off, and I'm sitting there and it's like, this guy looks like Grandpa. Mm-hmm. And the lady on there looked pretty old too, and I'm like, well, man, it was just yesterday they were young like me. And I'm like, oh, uh, wow, time flies. And it doesn't seem like very long. I remember one of my pastor's friends that I know, his name is Marty. And uh, the last time I saw him was maybe a year ago, Bible conference, he came by. And a good friend of mine uh, kind of discipled me way back when and without lessons. It was just every time I came to church, I had all these questions for him. And he just kind of took me under his wing. And so he tells me, and he's known me for since 1990. Uh, so he goes, Bob, he goes, you know, the first time I met you, I, he goes, your hair was brown. And he goes, what happened? And I go, well, my hair... And I said, and I don't remember how I, I, I responded. It was kind of like, well, yeah, now it's turned white, what's left of it. But you have to remember... That that all happened after I met you. <laughs> so I kind of turned it around on him, like you're the one that's given me this gray hair. And he didn't. I kind of he was speechless for a little bit. Like I finally I got him. He didn't know what to say. But I'm like, he's like, yeah, I remember he had brown hair. And I go, yeah, and I had hair, and now it's white, and I don't have any. And that was before I met you. You being the the word here. We need to redeem the time because you know our time is short. We, we've got to put that at the focus. How many of you have walked away from somebody or a situation or thought about it? It's like, you know what? I had a door to tell that guy something about Christ and I didn't do it. Yeah. And I feel awful. Yeah, it was too late. You're like, right, that was a perfect opportunity. I mean, so we've got to ask God every day, help me to see those open doors, not just have them. Yeah. Help me to realize it because I'm a little dense. Mm-hmm. Okay? So we need to redeem the time. We need to let your speech always give Christ honor. And it says here with grace in, in our text. And Ephesians 4.29 will give you uh, basically a little more info, meaning revealing God's grace. Okay? Having salt, because we are the salt of the earth, the Christians are the salt of the earth, we are the ones that have the truth, whether it's... It hurts or not. You know, sometimes we've got to be bold in what we say. And sometimes the things we say are not the easiest things to understand. Again, I'm going through the minor prophets. And if I got up today and basically, and 
the minor prophets are basically this. They're, they're preaching and teaching to the king and, and the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom of Israel. And they're basically, hey guys, you need to get right or you're going to burn. Over and over and over. And it's not a real good message. And you know, it's really the same message today. If you don't accept Christ as your Savior, you're going to go to a lake of fire. That's why you don't hear preachers preach on hell and the lake of fire a whole lot. They want to tickle everybody's ears and tell them how good they are. But it's got to be both. You know, we got to tell, but then at the same time, we got to tell people, hey, you've got to accept Christ as your Savior or you're going to spend, or God will judge you for your sins and you will be thrown in the lake of fire. But the good news is, there's a remedy for that. Christ took your place. So, it's, you know, you see all these talk shows and they're all like, this is all the bad things that are going on in our government and all the things that's going on. And, and I always want to say, well, okay, thank you for pointing all the bad things out. Do you got anything to do to help the situation? Nobody does. So we got to do both sides. We got to tell people that without Christ, you're going to die and go to hell. But in the good side, the good part of that is Christ already paid the penalty and all we have to, they have to do is accept Christ. So we need to speak God's truth. We got to be truthful. We got to be honest and we need to speak the gospel. Okay. Get that gospel in your conversations. Okay. Now, I worked with different people and stuff, and if people ask me, well, you're getting about retirement age, what are you going to do with your time? Or, you know, what do you do with your time or whatever? You know what I tell them I do most of the time? Almost all the time, 99.100% of the time. I go, I, I serve at church a lot, and I said, we have a church that puts Bibles together, and I just, everybody that knows me knows I work on Bibles. And if I get a little more open door, I give them the gospel. But that's a very good one because that's not real confrontational. But it gets them to know who you are. And it, and you can kind of see how that situation is. Carrie told one of our neighbors the other day, so, well, our church does Bibles, this or that. And the conversation just kind of changed, didn't it? It just stopped. It, it just died. And it is the best-selling book of all time. Okay. So... Uh, <laughs> We need to speak God's truth. Be truthful. Be honest. Speak the gospel. Number seven, be able to answer every man. And you need to answer them where they're from. Who they are. And you go, well, that's kind of hard to, to do. Well, go back and, and in our notes here. Let me just keep reading. Study Paul. And study how he spoke to the people he met while serving Christ. In Acts 9.15, God told Ananias that Paul would be a man that would speak to Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. So Gentiles, kings, and Jewish people. Do you ever try to witness to a Jewish guy? It's not easy. Because, you know, it's not easy. And uh, I've tried and I've probably bombed because I wasn't really good. But, you know, at least they kind of knew where I was at. But we need to be able to answer people wherever they are, whatever they believe, whatever. And the, the easiest thing to do is just take it right back to God's Word and show them. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, God's Word says this. I believe this because this, the Bible says this. Okay, so we need to know how to speak to people. Uh, so some practical advice on how to live our lives for Christ that is what we're seeing here in Colossians. And we have no excuse for not knowing and living our lives for Christ. And let's be vigilant to live our lives for our Lord. Let's look at 1 Peter 5.8. Now i got to wrap up. 1 Peter 5.8 Yes, we should know this by heart. 
which I think most of us do. Yes. So it says, be sober, be vigilant, be awake, be guarding, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. If you're a sleep Christian, you're going to get ate or eaten. That's not quite right English. You know, it'd be like if we let a full-grown African lion come in that door back there, and and somebody locked the door behind it, and he hadn't ate for about he, he hadn't eaten for about two weeks. What what do you think is going to happen to us? Going to heaven. Be going to heaven quick, right? There'd be we'd be gone. I think he'd probably kill every one of us just for fun, then eat us. But there'd be blood all over this place. I said that once at a juvenile detention center in Cass County with, with the juveniles, and the kid goes, "Oh, let them try that." They'd get. I'd just jump on him, and I'm like, <laughs> "No, no, 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 no! You're not going to jump on a 800 pound African lion and make it out of here." Yeah, no way. And and so that's how Satan is to us. If we're not doing these things, and we're an asleep Christian, and that's what's happened to a lot of them, Satan's just devoured them, and they're not any use to the Lord right now. So the last statement here says, "Don't live for the rapture." Some guy preached on that a couple weeks ago, right? Don't live for the rapture. Live for what? The judgment seat of Christ. Put that as the focus, and that'll keep us going on a daily basis. And that's the most practical, godly advice I can give to you guys, because I think God really put that in my life. And do I do it all the time? No. But I need to. I need to strive to. We all need to. Why? Because we know the rapture is close. And if the rapture is close, the judgment seat of, the judgment seat of Christ is close, and we need to have a good account. I want Christ to say, good done. Good job, Bob. Good and faithful. You've been a good and faithful. I want to hear that. And that's what we should all want, right? Because it's coming as soon as, you know, as tomorrow. And as sure as God's Word. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for the book of Colossians. I pray that we would all live it in our lives, Lord, and that we would give you honor and glory in our lives and what we say and what we do. And I just pray for Brian as he preaches and help us to be, uh, your servants, in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Bob. Thank you for that last